But I think the main things is at the end of the day, volleyball is volleyball. It's in the same nine by nine court, and the rules are the same. So we. Uh, <laughs> is that on the back of your shirt? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's on the back of your shirt. <laughs> you did, you did a little free shout out for you. Um, and it doesn't matter who's on the other side of the net. You need to still execute to the best of your ability if you want a chance to win. What's going on, everyone? And welcome to the 9x9, the 81 square meters of the best volleyball content on the internet. My name is Everett DeLorme, joined, as always, by my friendly neighbor to the south, Mr. Rob St. Clair from Chicago, Chi-Town, or whatever you want to call it. And ladies and gentlemen, we are finally down to the nitty-gritty. The round of 16 at the 2022 FIVB Men's World Volleyball Championships are done, and we are getting ready for the quarterfinals. And Rob. We finally have some upsets. We've finally had some banger matches. We've seen some of the best volleyball from this tournament over the course of the past two days. We've been waiting for it. We have been waiting for it to get to this point. And we said it on the last show, like the best volleyball in this tournament is yet to come. And that was only two days ago. And you're absolutely right. The, the four matches that we're going to jump into right now were ridiculous. Starting off with, I mean, we got to start with the upset of the tournament, Ukraine destroys the netherlands they completely <sighs> completely destroyed them 3-0 demolished beat them. down 25 16 25 19 25 18 like it, unbelievable i mean first and foremost uh i do have to give a shout out to myself uh for for calling that one uh i meant to clip it out and completely forgot until right this moment but yeah uh when actually rob you and i did go two for two in our in our you know, hot takes. We we went two for two, but yeah, uh, I called the, the Ukraine, or sorry, I called Ukraine to win this one. And I'll be fully honest, I didn't actually leave it. Uh, I just kind of said it because, hey, I, I was looking for a big one. But man, oh man, did they they deliver? They dominated that as that game in all aspects. It was the biggest. It was the biggest kicking of the tournament in in a, in a lot of ways. And the ne ne Netherlands looked helpless. I, I was stunned by this. Ukraine had the perfect game plan, and they executed it to perfection the entire time. They were a step ahead of the Netherlands the entire match. Roberto Piazza was clueless. There was nothing he could do to change the momentum. Everett, Ukraine hit 534 as a team. Only six errors. Four as a team. Six, Only six, six errors, errors compared crazy. to the Dutch's 19. Like that, that right there <laughs> is, is a massive stat. But then when you look on the, the, the other, the, the next column down where it says blocks, 12 blocks for Ukraine. Oh my goodness. That is just absolutely ridiculous. Incredible. And I'm, I mean, it wasn't even the Ole Plotnitsky show necessarily. I mean, he was good. Uh, let's see where were his numbers. I mean, 10 for 15, one error, that's excellent. That's above 50% efficiency. Only one ace, no blocks. I mean, the blocking came from everywhere. Uh, Ilya Kovalov had four. That's the yeah, other Semen outside hitter. Like one-on-one -on air and everything. Yeah, Semenyuk had three. And I mean, there was at certain points that matched where, you know, Yuri Semenyuk looked like the better of the Semenyuks. Uh, <laughs> he was at, at absolutely dominating at, at a point in the second the second set but every ukrainian player had their time to shine and you're exactly right it wasn't oleg plotnitschke but on the other side of the net it's it seemed like it, it seemed like we had a video game and you just gave all of the advantage to one team like in, in the intensity stats because ukraine brought it and netherlands didn't 
Yeah, Namir Abdelaziz was, I mean, obviously their best player, one of the best players on the planet. 10 points only on 8 for 19 attacking with 4 errors. That's about like 240 efficiency. Uh, two aces, but that wasn't enough because like really every time I looked, Ukraine was just perfectly in system. I thought in general, Ukraine passed the ball phenomenally well and clearly they destroyed them in the serve and pass battle. But it was it was weird that even though Ukraine did a great job against the Netherlands, we have been higher, at least higher than we were the past couple of years on the rest of the Netherlands, their other pieces. And we just didn't really see anybody step up to fill the void. Like not much from Teister Horst, not much from Benny Tweenstra. Uh, they, who, who's the other outside hitter they brought in? Oh man, I don't even remember. Uh, Yorna maybe? Yeah, Heis Yorna. Then like, just like I said on the last show, Ukraine had a really advantage there in the middle. Uh, Michael Parkinson, Fabian Plock got owned by Semenyuk and Droz, respectively. Dominated. Just absolutely handled. It it was incredible. And I mean, it was U- Ukraine really just going out there and putting them some respect on their names, right? This wasn't even a tournament tournament they're, they're supposed to be at. And now they're one game away from the semifinals. That's absolutely ab- absurd. Just yeah. a massive win for this program. And it, it honestly could have lasting effects. Making it into the top 10 of, of a world championships like this is absolutely massive. Yeah, it's 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 the Cinderella story of the tournament by far, because like you said, that Ukraine wasn't even supposed to be in this tournament. And it's ironic that it just so happened to be them. that They were the next ones up in the rankings when Russia was uh, taken out of the field several months ago. Boy, have they capitalized. And you're right. Like, how many times have we seen it? A, a team or a player or like something magical happens in a world championship more more so world championship than the Olympics even. It's just kind of a stage for huge, like one big breakout run that has ripple effects for years and years. I mean, we've seen it even from Slovenia. They had one good world championship and several really good Euros, and that mm. kind of got them to the point where they're at. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Slovenia's only good world champion. They've only had one, and it was a 12th. So, But yeah. the, 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 the Euros, definitely. But yeah, Ukraine here has an absolute, an absolute hugely opportunity and it doesn't matter what they do at this point they got to this this stage and that's really it yeah there's not, honestly not even that much more to say about it because they put on such a clinic like they the match was never even close ukraine had every advantage every statistical category and just the the energy and the feeling you could have clipped out any random like segment of five minutes of that match and you would have absolutely known the result it was unbelievable yeah, it was crazy. Namir didn't look like Namir, and Ukraine looked fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I think that's it. I don't really know yeah. what, 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 what much there is to say. Yeah, Ukraine is going to have a chance to play for a spot in the semifinals of a world championship. I just can't even believe I'm saying that. No, absolutely. Congratulations, All right, well, though, man. Amazing. Big, big, huge show. And I mean, hey, let's let's continue with the let's, you know, free Ole Plotnitsky. Uh, train because he just continues to show he should be on any of the like starting for any of the teams in in super lega but yeah all right well moving on to the next big banger and i mean rob i think this one was possibly the best game of the tournament uh truly i thought it was an all-time classic um but at the end of the day france squeezes out a monstrous five set win over japan uh in what could ha- is was definitely the the best game of the tournament hands down i really think it was too it was the closest and also the highest level across the board and 
I mean, you and I, Everett, were both really high on France. We, we didn't think that just in that particular matchup, Japan could really hang around. But I got to give you credit because what you said was if, if Japan is going to have a chance, Yuji Nishida's and, and Yuki Ishikawa, both, one or both, are going to have to have the best match of, their, of the year. And they did exactly that, right? Nishida comes in, 31 points, Ishikawa, 22. It was ridiculous to, to see what they did uh, yesterday. Yuji Nishida, dude. I, I've never seen him play that well. And this is a this is a player that we've laughed at on the show before because of all the attention that he gets and all the hype that he generates and all the comparisons to cartoon characters. And you know, I, I don't I don't necessarily always think that the the praise of his is always warranted. Not this, this time. time. Oh, this time it is. This time it is. The kid was was automatic. He went. He had thirty one points. So uh, joining an elite club of guys who have scored thirty in this tournament, twenty eight for forty attacking, twenty eight for forty with five errors. That's five seventy five efficiency. Five seventy five yeah. against the best team and the best of uh, the best defensive team and one of the best blocking teams in the world. Plus two blocks and an ace. It was it was the best I've ever seen Eugene Nishida play and ever. And he, he he was just automatic, and Japan had legitimate chances to win this match, and without a performance like that, it just couldn't have been possible. No, he was automatic, but he was also automatic in tough situations, right? He was chiseling blocks, he was going high off hands, he was hitting shots that, honestly, like, I, I didn't see were open. Some of his line shots down the line were just disgusting uh he, he really showed himself at in that the fullest form i mean there was a, there was at one point i looked down at the third set and he had was like 19 for for 25 just <laughs> a, absolutely ridiculous it was like what is going on here uh and i didn't think he could keep up that pace and i mean at that point he was like what at 76 percent and 76 percent attacking uh and he ended the game at 70 percent right <laughs> hitting percentage not, not efficiency but still it was a phenomenal match to watch from him. It was a phenomenal match to watch from Ishikawa. And I've seen some people in the Discord especially being like, oh, you know, France only does like 3% three more than they need to win. But I don't think that was the case this today. I think that Japan showed up to play and they forced France to, that, to the limit. Like they forced the best out of France. And that the, the, France, France needed to show up and, you know, under tough, t- tough uh, circumstances as well with the loss to Ke- Kevin Tilly to, to get it done. But huge credit to go to Japan in this one. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're praising Japan even though they lost the match. But like, seriously, they, the, the amount of work and execution and effort and pressure and sustaining of that high level that they had to do to even get the match to that point was really impressive to me. I mean, set scores 25-17 France in the first. Like, when that happened, I'm like, okay, this is going to go exactly how we all thought. But then the response of Japan taking the second 25-21 overtime in the third that France won. Then Japan responded again. And Japan even had a match point in the fifth. I think it was 14-13 or maybe mm-hmm. 15-14. And Ishikawa had a serve for the match. And I really thought, like, oh, my God, are we, are we really going to see this? And um, they couldn't quite get it done. France ended up scrambling one in transition. But that was as, as, as real of a scare as France has really gotten since they've kind of been on this run. I even felt like the fifth set against Poland in the Olympics last year that they were they they felt more comfortable than they probably did in this fifth set. 
Yeah, uh, absolutely. That was a fantastic performance from France. And we've also got some people in the chat coming in saying that I think it shows how deep France's bench is with Boyer and Clevenot coming in after the Kevin Tilly injury. And, you know, ab- absolutely. I think definitely Boyer came in and, and made a difference. Clevenot, I think he had a bit of a... Uh, a bit of a tough one yeah. coming in. He was he was targeted a little bit uh, on serve receive. It, it wasn't up to snuff, but you know ultimately he did come out you know with with a with a few good points. Um, but I mean I want definitely want to spotlight Engapath, especially in, in that fifth set. You know Rob, we were we were just talking about it uh, in prepping for the show, but he had two really bad swings. Um, in, in, in that third set, there was one in transition to uh, kind of earlier on. I think it was like you know eight seven or eight eight or something something like that. But they had an opportunity to create a gap, and he came out of the pipe and just both phasered it out of bounds. It wasn't even close. Uh, and then a few points before that to give uh, Japan uh, either you know equal or the advantage. He tipped a terrible one right into the tape. So to see Engapath take that swing for, for match point, go, you know, sharp cross off the block uh, and was, was absolutely huge. Yeah. The, the just utter pure unadulterated confidence that that man will always, always have despite two horrible errors like that is unique amongst all players in the world. That, and that was a ridiculous play. I mean, when, when Quentin Jufra came in to serve like on that match point, I, I thought that it was either going to be ace or error because he has a, a pretty vicious hybrid. But he gets credit, too, because he actually dug the ball in position five, like a backup middle blocker service sub that led to that transition play, and Ingepath eventually put it away. His numbers were, uh, Irvin, I'm talking about, his numbers were okay. Uh, 15 for 36, that's like 41% kills, but six errors, and a couple of them, uh, those key ones in the fifth, like Everett mentioned. But the one that mattered, the one chance in transition that France got, he put it away, and they walk away with it 18-16. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Rob, I think I got to give a shout out to you because on Sunday you said that in this one you thought Chinignese was going to have a game, and that's exactly <laughs> that's exactly what he did. He went and got seventeen points, went fourteen for eighteen, fourteen for eighteen attacking seventy seven seventy seven percent hitting percentage, only two errors, added three blocks. He was feasting. Chinignese was feasting, and any chance. Um, uh, we all gave had to uh, set him up on a platter. That's exactly what he was doing. Smart volleyball, good execution of an extremely favorable matchup. I mean, Bartholomew Chinese, if you haven't learned anything in the last two years, he has just like burst the door open and being like clearly a top five middle blocker in the world. And uh, if I'd say the only thing really separating him now from from the elites is his serving. I think if he starts to become a truly lethal server, uh, he, he might be the very best in just a couple years, uh, but especially against Japan's middles, who I think have overperformed this tournament. But Chinineze, just not only because of his size, raw skill set, but his body contortion and then the, the routes that he runs with with Brizard, there's just some really, really high-level stuff going on there and the, the drift patterns and the way that they create separation. And Brizard smartly, whenever he could, fed him the ball. And that's what you see, 14 for 18. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, his his wingspan and his window where he can hit the ball is so big, and Prizal knows that perfectly. And it's it's almost like he leads him exactly where he he needs to every single time. That connection is quickly becoming one of the best in volleyball. Friendly reminder that Chinese is going to go play with Luciano Dicheco at Lube this year. Oh, that's how disgusting. Much, how much fun is that going to be? <laughs> and then and then uh, Robert Lenny Simone is going to go play with Brizard at Piacenza. So kind of some swapping of some middle relationships there. Oh boy, okay. that, that's uh, going to be spicy. 
Yeah, you met, you brought up the Kevin Tilly injury, and that that is a, a a tough break, obviously, for a guy who also got injured earlier this summer. I mean, we were there in Ottawa when he pulled a calf muscle. Uh, I mean, you got to feel bad for him because he'd been playing great. He's stuck in there and worked through a lot. And I again, like I said, if Japan was going to have a chance at making France uncomfortable, they were going to have to relentlessly target on the serve that second outside hitter, whoever it was, because you're not going to you're not going to make Ingepet uncomfortable. You're not going to make Kurbenikov uncomfortable. So you've got to hit great serves. And you've got to ideally put them on whoever that third guy is. And they did uh, after till he got hurt. Like Trevor Cleveno just wasn't all that particularly good. And it's kind of allowed Japan to hang around in the match. And the same kind of goes for Jean Patrick uncharacteristically not a very good match from him. But again, like you've made the point, France's depth and Boye came in who has a, a, a tendency to either be great or horrible. And he, I thought he was very good. I mean, very good is an understatement. Once again, we had three guys hitting 70% in this match. Boye was 16 for 21 with three errors, <laughs> 17, <laughs> 17 points overall, right? And you had three French guys with, with 17 points with Chen and Yeze, Engepeth, and Boye. And Boye did that coming in late as well, right? So just a masterful performance there by Antoine Pizarre. And, you know, you've got, like, what was Engepeth hitting at? Okay, 41% with six errors. I mean, but he's not a middle. And, played most of the match and he's get he's getting a lot a lot of garbage over there but just just kind of shows you how good this french team is overall yeah they hung in there with some very very serious adversity and found a way to manufacture a win out of it and it's just another kind of notch on their belt of learning experiences of how to win big matches and again japan gets all the credit in the world because after that first set i thought this was going to be a 3-0 blowout and it wasn't it was one of the more fun matches i've watched in years and uh it's it's a bummer that japan couldn't quite get enough of a good seed in the first round to see somebody a little easier than France. But uh, despite the loss, I feel like they've got to be hanging their heads pretty high after that. Yeah, uh, absolutely. That was truly an all-time match. Like you said, Uh, the first set set was a bit of a stomping, but after that it was fantastic volleyball all the way through. And uh, yeah, great job. Great job by Japan. And it would have been an upset, I'm I'm happy France moved on because I think that they're 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 the better team. Um, but if uh, Japan would have won, they would have earned it. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, either team who would have gotten just a toe over the line in that fifth set was going to earn it. But sure enough, France, the uh, my personal pick to win the tournament, still alive, and we'll talk about their uh, their quarterfinal matchup in just a little bit. So uh, Everett, before we move well, on to the other team. side of the bracket, uh, no, I don't want to hear Brett Walsh again. I want to hear you tell us about that volleyball dot store. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to support Volleyball Source, you like what we do, maybe send us at some vents if you want to look good like me and Rob, like Rob sometimes. You know, he does look pretty good in that VLA shirt. I have to give it, give it him that. Uh, but you guys got to head over to thatvolleyball.store. It's the official merch store of Volleyball Source and, of course, the 9x9. Uh, you can get all your spicy volleyball merch. You get your 9x9 merch. They make volleyball great series plenty of stuff so make sure to head over to that volleyball.store um and pick up your merch today yep links in the description and uh, another another thing that the link is in the description is the volleyball source discord uh you've got to get in there it's been it's been exploding the last couple weeks for this tournament all the discussion is insane uh it's just really fun to have like knowledgeable excited people from literally all around the world uh, just in one place on the internet, just talking about the matches that are going on. So can't recommend enough that you join that. And uh, you can laugh at at our at our bad takes when we inevitably have them on this show. Mm-hmm. So, uh, ever is it time for the other side of the bracket? Let's look, the I, I did today. It. 
I do think so. Today's matches were maybe not as entertaining, um, but definitely just as spicy, uh, especially that first one, Rob. Um, you called it on last week's sh- or not last week's show. What show was that? Um, it was, uh, we- two shows ago, but but I, I doubled down on it that I thought Argentina was going to beat Serbia. I yes. did not expect, though, it to be a sweep. That was very surprising. So the 13 seed beats the four, uh, even though they were really balanced in the world rankings. We knew this match was going to be good, but Argentina, after being extremely shaky in pools and Serbia being untouched in pools, I think you made the point, Everett, that maybe there was a concern about Serbia having not really been challenged just yet. And if they got into a situation where they had a a team really punching back at them, were they going to be able to handle that? And I honestly think the answer was no. I think Argentina came out and punched them, and there were late runs in both sets one and two after Serbia went up early that Argentina played significantly better volleyball. And, I mean, sure enough, you look up, and then all of a sudden it's 3-0, and Serbia's going home. Yeah, it was. You could tell that Argentina had been struggling, that they had been like knocked down a little bit, and they're ready to show who they were, right? And they 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 had three tough five setters uh, in in pool play, and it, as you've mentioned before, like including a, a really uh, uncharacteristic one against Egypt, right? Yeah, and maybe that last one, that? Like, you know, you know, you get a you get a scare against Egypt. You go to you go to five and with, with two tough losses against the Dutch uh, and Iran, which coincidentally are both out now so who would have thought that the, the <laughs> team to have finished third place in uh in that pool would be be the furthest one going but argentina just came to, to play today they they were at another level and this was peak argentina right and i think that they can handle pressure so well and big game situations so well because this team has such an enormous level of skill um and you've got the checo slinging the ball who doesn't look like he cares half the time anyways right um <laughs> And that's that's exactly what it was today. I mean, uh, Antonasievich was awful in the first set. They brought in Petkovic. He was all right. He came in like you know those two aces. It like for two points there in the second set. It looked like Serbia was back. Petkovic ripped two aces. You're like, okay, here we go. Serbia about to run, and then they just never did. It just never did, and it was. We've been making the point about Serbia this entire tournament. I mean, they had the easiest pool by far. Uh, their only remote challenge was from Ukraine, but we knew that as deep as they were going to be able to go in this tournament, uh, it was going to depend on the play of Alexander Atanasievich. And the guys in the broadcast made the same point. Uh, Dave Rogers and Clayton Lucas saying, "I we think it's crazy to say, but it's crazy to say that this team's weakness is opposite when Atanasievich is there, but he's just not the player that he used to be anymore." No, def- definitely not. I mean, it's, it's it's sad to see, but he did suffer a pretty bad injury and, and went through that rehab, and it's just right. it, he's just never been back. I mean, that's why he doesn't even play at Perugia anymore. And uh, I mean, I would be very surprised to see him making a run at uh, 2024 and Paris. But I mean, this might be the end of what was a fantastic Serbian dynasty. Um, because a lot of these players are, are moving on. And sure, you've got a pretty good young generation, as we saw, saw them in, in Ottawa, but I don't know if you're going to have the the, the domination, the, the 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 potential of domination that this team had. Yeah, ever since even like the 2008 Olympics, I think is the very very beginning of that because that was the first time I ever saw Marco Pedrosian in play. He was kind of the 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 guy that ushered in this particular generation. Uh, you had Daddy Stankovic come and go. You had Stresko Lisinac, who's the man. You had the retirement of Nikola Gerbic, and then Nikola Jovovic comes in. Uh, you had both Kovacevic brothers, then Nikola retired, and Yurosh is obviously still doing his thing. And Marko Ivovic, I think, won MVP of a World League one of those years. 
uh, and Atanasievich, obviously a constant throughout all of it. But the, yeah, I agree. This this might be kind of it, and it was too bad. I, I think that if they could go back and do it again, they would have rather have a difficult pool. I think they a more difficult pool. I think they needed a little bit more, uh, a little bit more like scars and bruises and being prepared for a game like today than they had. Yeah. They just looked dull the entire time. They, yeah. they just looked like a dull knife uh, that, that really wasn't working. There was a few, sh- you know, shades of, of brilliance, but yeah, ultimately Argentina was just better on the, d- this day. I mean, like what they made more blocks, e- even on aces, they only made seven hitting errors, like half of the hitting errors that, that Serbia made. They had, they had more kills. It was just really domination, domination everywhere. Bruno Lima was fantastic, fourteen for twenty-one with only with only with only two errors. Like he was in re, like Tokyo twenty twenty-one uh, mm-hmm. form in in that one. Conte wasn't bad either with nine, nine for seventeen. Once again, only, only two errors. So Argentina was just good through and through. They were good. They were just good. And like some of the weaknesses that we pointed out in pool play, serving they were horrible. Much better here. Actually, identical numbers to Serbia. Both teams three aces, fifteen service errors. Not. Great, but actually not so bad. Uh, their second outside hitter position was a concern, and Ezekiel Palacios was healthy enough to play. Uh, so that was huge, and I thought he really steadied some things out. Bruno Lima's numbers were ridiculous, like you just said, but Agustin Loser, 12 points, 8 for 9. He only attacked one ball that didn't result in the kill, and then three monstrous stuff blocks, like... This, this Argentinian team put on a clinic, and it was one of the best matches I've ever seen Luciano DiCecco set. All the right choices, plus that one like goofy little like net play tip to position four where nobody was. <laughs> it was just a classic DiCecco play. He was so good, and I, he's, he was really in the zone because you can tell when he looks like he doesn't quite care all that much. That's when he's at his most, at his most lethal because you know he's really in control of everyone on both sides of the court at that point. Yeah, that's exactly like he's just kind of zoning out on yeah. everything going around him and working like a chess master and just, you know, setting fluffy pillows uh, for everyone in there. I mean, hey, we've been just talked about Jenin Yezi being uh, a legitimate top guy in the world. I think we need to start bringing in Augustin Lozaire uh, into that conversation as well. The way he plays for uh, Argentina is absolutely massive and it's fantastic just off the heels of Soleil, uh, Sebastian Soleil retiring from the Argentinian national team to become Italian naturalized so he can, you know, help out Perugia even more uh, in, in, in the Italian league. But Augustin Lozaire has been consistently the best Argentinian player all summer long. I completely agree. He has been the best Argentinian player all summer, and he's going to go to Milano in Italy for the first time. And I, I'm interested to see that because he's not going to have nearly the caliber of setter of Decheco. Because, like, just like we were talking about with Chinese and Brizard, the stuff that Loser and Decheco are doing in terms of like these crazy drift patterns and jumping sideways and forcing opposing middle blockers to not only commit on timing but also commit on spacing. Uh, is just impossible to stop. It's you have to make such a ridiculous read as an opposing middle blocker and sell out completely to guess the right direction to even have a chance of touching the ball, and it's just too much of a risk. And when you have Decheco who can set those sorts of things from a wider range of past balls, Argentina's really, really scary when they can do stuff like that. And sure enough, I mean we've got a couple of really good points in the chat I want to address. One, Argentina jumped two full spots in the world rankings from this match. Wow. Which is I, nuts. I didn't uh, they, see that. They were tenth. And uh they they jumped over Iran and Slovenia, and they're all the way up to eighth because a three zero win over the eleventh ranked team in the world got them eleven points. 
Uh, they're actually tied with Japan right now, so they almost actually jumped even further. And then the other thing is, like you were saying, Everett, they, they needed five sets to beat Egypt in pool play, and now they're in the quarterfinals of the World Championship. Yeah, just just huge. I mean, getting that 3-0 against Serbia is even even more so good for uh, uh, for the points, eh? But man, Argentina, I think I think they can they they're a team to me that's always dangerous. Trust me, as a Canadian fan, I know this. <laughs> They've broken my heart on more than one occasion. Um, but yeah, Argentina, full full credit to them to them on this day. And I mean, hey, once they're in the quarterfinals, anything can happen, right? Yeah, it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately kind of tournament. Uh, pool play definitely in the rearview mirror for him now. 100%. All right, well, Rob, let's move on to the next match to talk about Argentina's opponent in the uh, quarterfinals. And this one, another 3 nothing. Bit of a different story there with Brazil just dominating. I was kind of expecting a little bit more from Iran in this one, uh, but they could just never get it going in Brazil continues to uh, prove both of us wrong and are looking pretty good in this world champs. Cachopa, dude. Cachopa. Cachopa. What a difference. Just such a huge difference in just the entire feel around this Brazilian team uh, with Cachopa at the setter position. And they didn't even have Lucarelli today. If there was an opportunity for Iran to win this match, it, it was it, this was it. We were talking about Brazil's lack of depth past their, you know, like their starting seven. And they didn't have Lucarelli due to some minor injury. I think he's maybe 50-50 that'll play uh, in the quarterfinal in a couple days. But without him on the floor, I thought that Iran really had an opportunity, and they just did not take advantage. 25-17 in the first set, then uh, 25-22, 25-23 the rest of the way. They had, let's see, they subbed out three of their starters. They subbed out Amin at opposite, they subbed out Vadi at setter, and they subbed out uh, Manavi at outside hitter. They... They just did not have it. No, no one, no one looked good for them. They weren't rolling. It's crazy to me to think about the U- Iranian team that we saw at VNL and kind of being like, where would they go? Where did Amin go? I mean, we were all so high on him, and he was kind of a footnote in this World Championships for Iran the entire time. Could never really get going, um, and it really showed that the the only really guy they have is uh, Abadabor. That's... Yeah, Badapur. He was he was okay today. I mean, we talked about it on the last show. He was going to have to be phenomenal, uh, as he has been for most of the tournament. Uh, eight points on eight for eighteen, attacking with four errors. That's it's about twenty uh, percent efficiency. Probably not going to be good enough, considering Amin hit zero, two for ten with two errors. That's definitely not going to do it. And this is one of the weirder score sheets I've ever seen, Everett. Because if you look at the leading scores, you've got three the two teams combined. You've got three guys at seven points. You've got six guys at eight points, and then above them all, 20 Layout from Romeo Abdi Leal. Like 20 out of nowhere. And like Wallace wasn't good. Wallace, uh, seven kills, seven errors, 0% efficiency. They didn't have Lucarelli, so Rodriguinho had to play. Uh, the middles were fine. Uh, Lucao and Flavio both with eight points, but Leal dropped 20 on 19 for 30 and 50% efficiency. I mean, hey, he had eight points alone in the third set, right? He scored every Ooh. as many points in one set than everyone did, and uh, all along. And I mean, that was also the set that Iran looked pretty good. Like they held the lead a couple of times. I thought they were actually going to make it a little bit interesting. I was hoping they would, right? Yeah, that's that's kind of that's kind of what it, what I wanted to see. But they just they never got that momentum that Iran needs, and that's one thing that's so that's 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 definitely definitely necessary within the iranian game is that they need that momentum they need that that passion to 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 continue going and the the flame was just never lit or it wasn't lit lit 
uh, late enough and uh, Iran is, is going home. Yeah. Iran's going home. I mean, they, I don't know. I don't think they were ever really going to beat Brazil. I don't think they have the team, the level of team volleyball IQ yet. I just don't think they have it yet. They, uh, Brazil's a, a kind of a tricky team to scout and execute against, uh, even though we, we've known who they are throughout the last several years. But the, the setting difference was, was drastic, the drastically different between the way that Kraling or Fernando Kraling, his nickname Cachopa, distributes that Brazilian offense now, even in his like third or fourth match as the true starter, versus uh, the two Iranian setters we saw both Vadi and, let's see, what's the backup's name? Uh, Javad, uh, where's 24. Just not not good enough. Just not that good of a high-level offense, especially for a good blocking team like Brazil. Iran just didn't have it. No, they, they, they didn't at all. And I mean, you talk about Kachopa, and he clearly understands the flow of the game. Right. You can tell he just feels it. Like, he's one of those guys. He's a feel player. He's a feel setter. He's like the Checo. He can feel the game. Um, and you can just tell it. Like, he was just spreading that offense so nicely in sets one and two. And here's one for you. Here's one for you. Yep, yep, yep. Wallace, uh, Flavio, whatever. And then in the third set, it's like, Leal wants it. He's hot. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. And Kachopa uh, is making all the difference. And, I mean, who knew that as we were watching Brazil die and wilt away? It was really, really just Bruno dying and wilting away. <laughs> I do got to give Bruno credit, though, man, because as – as as this kind of transition was starting to happen, as as they looked, Brazil looked terrible in those first two sets against Cuba on day one of the tournament, and Bruno got subbed out, and then Cachopa came in and completely turned things around the rest of the way. I was really wondering how Bruno was going to handle that. I I didn't really see him as a player who would really stay engaged without like being the guy. I, I just didn't really see it as. I mean, his dad was the coach for so many years. Uh, it was it was his team for so so long. I wasn't sure if he was gonna really still be that much of a team player once the team wasn't his anymore. But to his huge credit, he was. Uh, his, every time they showed him on the bench, he, he was animated. He was engaged, and then sure enough, he gets his moment. Very very late, he comes in in the six two and rips an ace right on the end line to win the match. It was very impressive. Same kind of thing that Benjamin Toniuti is going through right now for France as Brizard becomes clearly the guy to set that team. I was. Curious to see how Bruno would adapt to that and was impressed uh, with his demeanor, but also obviously the, the match ceiling point. Yeah, 100%. Like that was classic Bruno come in. It's just all about his mental fortitude. You can tell he's just got it mentally still. Maybe it's just not there physically. Maybe he still can't, he can't feel the game as he used to, but he can still serve a damn ball. And that's exactly what he did uh, to close this one out in classic style. And you could see how stoked the rest of that Brazilian team was for him when he made that move, how, how, how ready they were and how, you know what, every time they do these post-game interviews with Kachopa, I'm just more and more impressed. I'm going to say kid, but I know he's not that, that much of a kid. Like he's, he's like, what, like 23, 23 or something like that. Um, uh, he's 26. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. 26. Uh, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, a little bit. I, like, I remember when he used to come up to, to, to Canada for like U23 events. Like this was like a number of years ago now. Right? So uh, yeah, like he, it's clearly his time and I'm going to be interested to see how uh, Brazil can run this momentum with them because he's clearly changed them just enough and, and changed their look and style just enough that no one really recognizes them right now. And there's, as, as we've seen throughout the last year, th- this year for sure, in the last couple of years, there's an advantage to that. If there's not quite as much film on you as a team yet, uh, you can really take that and run with it and perhaps overperform with it. So 
but as, as you can see there on the bracket, their next opponent is their the team that knows them better than anyone else in the world. They're fierce, arch, bitter South American rivals, and I'm definitely stoked for that quarterfinal matchup. Yeah, that's going to be a big one. Um, but before before we get to the, uh, the the previews, is there anything else we want to chat about this game? Uh, no, I, I think that's it for the games from the last two days. All right. Well, then before we get into uh, the previews, we actually have a very exciting announcement uh, here on uh, Volleyball Source. Um, so we are have now uh, activated the uh, membership portion of YouTube. So now you can now become a, a member of the Volleyball Source YouTube. Um, I believe it's $4.99 uh, American per month to be a, a, a member for, for Volleyball Source. Um, Right now, it's pretty uh, bare bones and limited because it literally, I got it going today uh, about an hour before the show. Um, but once you uh, subscribe, you're going to get a little badge. Um, I'm excited to announce that the badge levels are appropriate need, uh, appropriately named the uh, Thanks for Participating, Ultra, <laughs> Super, Mega, and uh, Hyper uh, levels. So you, you got to stick around long enough to be able to, to, to get your appropriate badge. So I'm expecting to see a bunch of cookies uh, in the chat pretty soon uh, because that's the first level. So everyone everyone gets a cookie and thank you for, for, for participating uh, here at Volleyball Source. Um, of course, we're also going to be adding some emojis, some of the best emojis uh, from the Discord uh, into chat. I think we can order, add about nine of them. So that's going to be pretty exciting. Uh, and then, of course, with the membership, uh, a little bit further down the line, it's going to give you access to exclusive live streams, um, you know, first if, first viewing on different content, and of course some exclu other exclusive content. So uh, make sure if you want to support us, another way you can go on uh, to our YouTube, join the membership, get get that cookie badge, badge emoji, and uh, yeah, we thank you for 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 watching us and supporting us absolutely so uh just to explain that a little bit further there's there's a subscribe button the big red subscribe button that you should have already pressed uh that is free that costs you nothing uh that just i mean you just get updates from our channel at that point you see it in your list of subscriptions when we go live or when we have videos that come out that's free uh, that's just like every other youtube channel but it, next to that button is a button that says join and it's uh, in my experience, because the VLA does this all the time, we really use YouTube memberships a lot. Uh, it's a lot easier to access on desktop than it is on mobile. Uh, so we'll try and help you out with that. But if you happen to be on desktop, you should see a button that says join. You can click that and see the options of the memberships and uh, the, the levels of the Cuban spike tier list and the things that you'll be able to get from that. So uh, we're excited that uh, YouTube has just granted us that permission today and to build it out with uh, a lot of content in the future to make it worth it for you guys. So uh, if you like what we do, want to support us, uh, pick up a thanks for participating tier membership uh, here on the YouTube channel and uh, you can only go up from there. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And the only the only way to uh, get, you know, get away from the cookie badge and and work your way up. I believe the second one is the the boxing glove. Um, yeah, you you, you got to resubscribe. Um, and also, let's do a quick shout out. Um, if you're watching this and like this, just give this a nice little like, you know, if, if you don't want to if, if you're not willing to spend your hard earned dollars, which is completely understood like the world is, is wonky right now some of you may not have a lot of money some of you may be students just give us a quick like give us a quick uh a like on this video give us a quick subscribe and uh keep watching another thing that really helps our videos reach more people because there's a bunch of you in, in the youtube chat that are awesome uh just get, getting in with some discussions after the video is over if you go back and can't like leave like more generic comments on the video like not in the youtube live chat that helps the algorithm a lot that 
makes uh, makes our video appear to more people that don't already subscribe to Volleyball Source. So uh, that would help if once the video is over or if you watch it after the fact, uh, leave us a comment below. That'd be cool. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, enough harping you guys to uh, help us out. Let's get back and let's talk about some of these quarterfinal matchups, Rob. And let's preview some of them because this is when things are about to get really spicy. We have some banger quarterfinal matchups, a lot of stories uh, going on here. So so where do you want to start? What do you want to talk about first? Let's start with the, with the calendar and the first one that we're going to see. And that's uh, on, on the right side of the bracket here in Ljubljana, Slovenia, uh, 11.30 a.m. Eastern tomorrow. That's Wednesday, September 7th. Uh, we get a VNL semifinal rematch between Italy and France in that kind of bottom right corner of the bracket uh and we've been saying the whole time ever there's going to be one and then in another another quarterfinal two very very good teams that are going to be out in the round of eight and so one of france and italy is going to move on and one of them's going home so this is a very spicy quarterfinal match and it's the first one we're going to see tomorrow morning so let's start with that yeah, I mean, this one is absolutely massive. You get the defending VNL and Olympic champs against the defending European champs. Um, also, a, re- a rematch of the semifinals of the VNL. I mean, two of these matches in the quarterfinals are rematches of the, the, the VNL semifinals. And we all remember how that one. France absolutely slapped up uh, Italy on a way to a three-donging. So... I don't really know what, what to expect in this one. Uh, I don't think it's going to go 3-0 for France anymore as easily as they did at the VNL, but I am giving advantage to the French team in this one. I am too. Uh, I think that one of the reasons why Japan had a pretty good amount of success against France just the other day was that they served the ball great. And that's something that Italy has not been doing this tournament. We talked about Italy's block being a huge advantage for them. But I think the French offense and the French attackers and the experience that they have against one another negates that blocking advantage just a little bit. But serving travels, if you can serve great, uh, that is is an advantage in every matchup against anybody anywhere. And I really think that France has a serious advantage in both serving and serve reception. Yeah, I also think France just went through a serious scare. You know, did. like it like did. like quite the opposite to Serbia. Like they've they've been pushed. Like they they just got pushed to the brink, and they they saw the saw the edge, and they were able to fight back from it and and push away from it. And I I think they they're, they're going to dial in on this one. Hopefully, there are not too many trips to the club between uh, now and then, and they just get ready to play to play Italy because it's going to be an all time banger. I think I think this is going to be another fantastic match. If Italy can bring their A game, if Latvia is blocking the way he did in the first match or in, in some of these matches, if if uh, you know the middles are, are are playing the way they are, what I really really want to see though from Italy is I want to see a good game from Micheletto, right? I, yes. I, I I need to see some. You know, classic Trentino Micheletto making shots, looking confident, right? It's just he seems to have lost a little bit of confidence, and I need to see that back from him. Yeah, Italy just needs the guy. They, they need a guy with that level of confidence that, that wants to have the ball in huge moments to score points against well-formed block, against unbelievable defenders. Like, Italy needs that. I think they've been missing that this tournament. They're, if they can pass the ball, great. Okay, cool. Uh, you let Gianelli do his thing, but either Micheletto or Romano, like somebody's got to have some high ball scoring ability on this team, especially in this matchup. And I think it's just got to be Micheletto. I, I think this is his time to to elevate his game from what we've seen this summer so far. Hundred percent. I think it's time for a bit of a statement game from Micheletto. Yeah. If if he really wants to uh, build himself into one of the upper echelon players of this game, you know, he he needs to to find a, a big match. 
uh, in this time. And I mean, he did have such a big, big game year last year. Maybe this is a bit of his, his sophomore slump, but for Italy to go any further in this tournament, they need Micheletto to be the unicorn that he is. He is the unicorn and yeah, they're going to need him. Uh, I mean, all these French guys, all almost all of them play in Italy. They know the Italian guys. They know the system. And again, they absolutely mopped the floor with Italy in Italy in the semifinals of VNL just about a month ago. So I've got France in this matchup. Uh, I'll say three to one. Yeah, I like that too. I like three to one as well. three to one as well. I can't see Italy getting three donged again, but I can't see this going to five either. Yeah, I, I, I do think that France, having just been scared by Japan, is going to wake them up just a little bit more uh, in a way that the rest of the world definitely does not want to see, and it starts with beating Italy. Yep, uh, absolutely. All right, so uh, we're, we're on the same page about that. Let's look to the top side of this bracket. We've got the hosts in Slovenia, again, riding this incredible wave of home court momentum. Uh, they're taking on Ukraine, the Cinderella of the tournament. That matches tomorrow. Wednesday, September 7th at 3 p.m. Eastern in Ljubljana. So this is Slovenia's last chance to play at home. And this is already the farthest. I think either of these two teams have ever made it in a world championship. But honestly, a winnable matchup for both of these teams to potentially reach the medal rounds, which is crazy. Slovenia's got to be licking their chops right now. This couldn't have lined up better for them having you know stepped up to host the tournament after it was pulled away from Russia. Uh, they pulled that off, and their team has really taken advantage. Now they could they could seriously be looking at a medal. Yeah, 100%. I mean, for Slovenia, as I said before, their best result ever was the last, last go around uh, back in 2018. That was a 12th. So they've already massively Im- improved on that. And I, and I mean, for Ukraine, there's only one time that they've ever qualified for the World Championships. That was 1998 in Japan, and they finished 10th there. So another huge, huge improvement for for Ukraine in, in this one. And you know what, as much as I'd like to see this, the Cinderella story continue for Ukraine, you know, they get the, the last minute slot in, they get out of their pool, they upset Netherlands. I just don't see that happening against a, a very good, a very veteran Slovenian team that's on their last final fairy tale run and their last match potentially at home in Ljubljana, right? Like everything about, about the momentum says to me Slovenia is going to take this everything on paper says to me that Slovenia is going to going to take this and my heart tells me Slovenia is going to take it as well so I can't help but put back so back the home team in this one I think if this if this match were being played anywhere else I would honestly pick Ukraine for the magic and the Cinderella run and the momentum 100%. but I Absolutely. can't overstate how much of a home court advantage there is in this tournament. We've seen the crowds. The home crowds in Ljubljana as Slovenia has played matches have been unbelievable. 11,000 strong. And like you said, this is their last, guaranteed whether they win or lose, this is their last match at home because the final four is all being played in Poland. And there's a very good chance this is the, the last real run with this core of players who have just put Slovenia on the map these last five or six or eight years. This might be the last match, meaningful match they'll ever play on home soil. Couldn't be a bigger deal. And with, with all the stakes on the line, I, I, I can't pick against Slovenia. I think Clemen Schabel is going to be terrific. I think the experience of that team, and I think Jan Kozamarinik and Alan Pajank match up bet much better in the middle against Ukraine than the Netherlands did. I, I've, I've got them. Um, uh, I'll, I'll pick that one three to one as well for Slovenia. 
Right, you know, as as good as the Dutch have been, and and yeah, they made it to the, the final eight at the VNL. This is a, a Slovenian team that has two or three silver medals from the past four European Championships. This is a team that has done deep, you know, deep runs in the VNL. This is a team that has players that other players than just one superstar that play in some of the top leagues in the world, right? So this Slovenian team is is ready to go. They've refound their mojo. Getting rid of Lebedu did something to them. Kratu with a collar popped has has got the magic going. Maybe he's got you know Kratu's secret stuff just like Space Jam to give give the guys. But these guys have got the juice just like corn, and they're ready to go. I expect them to get the get the three nothing win at home. Oh my God, not not a reference I was expecting to hear, uh, but one that I'm happy I, I snuck that one. In. That, honestly, that just came to me at, at on the spot, and I had to go with it. I, it's, I, I couldn't, I, it's corn. I I, I couldn't uh, I couldn't help myself. I'm sorry. That was great. Uh, my my, my fiance is going to love that you made that joke later. Uh, yeah, I think I, we're both on the same page so far. I, I would love to see Ukraine pull off a miracle, but I think Plotnitsky is going to have to have to have the match of his life, and the, the Magic's just got to run out somewhere. And even this the Cinderella run, I don't think can compete with eleven thousand fans. No, definitely not. All right, so let's check out the other side of the bracket. Well, one more time. Those two matches, so uh, France versus Italy and Slovenia versus Ukraine going down tomorrow. The following day on Thursday, Everett is the match of the tournament. I'm calling it right now. It's the match of the tournament. It's the Poland versus USA rematch. Now, there's a lot about this that we have to set the stage for because we saw the result in pool play of this very tournament. Uh, Just two matches ago, uh, Poland beat the United States in four. Micah Christensen did not play. There was a lot surrounding like the circumstances of the pool. Was it even worth it for Poland to go out and try to win? They did. Now they get a rejuvenated, healthier, full-force rested United States team in the round of eight, who, by the way, destroyed them 3-0 in the VNL semifinals. And now the situation is different for Poland. This is, this is exactly the point in the tournament where they have struggled since the last major tournament went with, with, that they won, which is this very world championship four years ago. I, I hope, obviously, being a gigantic American fan, but I actually think... Uh, that this will be significantly more competitive than last time, and the United States has a very legitimate chance to win this match. Uh, I do too. I, I really do too. Especially the way that Michael Christensen uh, has has looked uh, in the, in that last match. He's back. He's ready to go. Um, if if the USA can get Matt Anderson going, I think they have a legitimate shot at 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 winning this match. Right, he has been the big question mark for so, so far. Aaron Russell, TJ DeFalco have been lights out. The middles down the middle have been phenomenal. Soji has been consistently one of the best players on the court. It's really Matt Anderson has to has to show up. Also, two history is on USA's side here, right? Just if you look back, just at the VNL, Poland beat them three one in in the the intercontinental round. USA returned the favor three nothing in the semifinals, right? This time you had Poland take down USA in in the group stage. Now it's t- time for USA's revenge in the, in the quarterfinals, but it's not going to come easy. I think this one is going to be tooth and nail. This isn't going to be the one that, that the, the, the absolute, you know, astonishing, astonishing three dong that we saw uh, in the VNL semifinals. I think this one is going to go five dong if, if there I may, we go. All and, right. <laughs> and, and, and go all the way to the uh, go, go all the way to the limit because how can it not? Right? How can it not? How can yeah. it not? Like, please guys just, do the volleyball world a favor and make this an absolute banger of a match. Like that's, that's all I ask of you. I honestly think that it will. And I completely agree that Matt Anderson is the key player. He's going to have to be great. We need, need that right side scoring presence. We need a little high ball scoring ability and we need his serve. 
The last time we played Poland, we could not put enough pressure on them from the baseline. Uh, we need that desperately. We need, let's see, Anderson, DeFalco, Russell, Smith, like four dangerous jump spin servers. We need three of them to have great days. And then Christensen and probably Jendrick uh, to place the ball in the right places. We, we cannot let Poland be so automatic from the service line as they are passing the ball and on their offense as they were in the pool play phase. And that's something that I think we did really well when we beat them in VNL in the finals or in the semis earlier this summer is uh, we forced Martin Janusz into having a bad match because we put just enough service pressure on Poland. That's the recipe. And they, they, we just have to hope that that mental block that they still have of winning major tournaments is still there and we can take advantage of it. Ooh, I, I don't know if, if it's a good strategy to like hope that the other team is having that mental block because right. I, we, I don't we, know if we, you... we've got to put pressure on them so, so that 100%. they feel that pressure. And there, there's a huge level of execution that's required there. Poland's not going to give the game away to us for free. But no, if we especially show up in front of in front of 10,000 yes. plus rabid fans. But if we show up, we play the matchup correctly. We, we do what we learned worked against them earlier this summer. That then brings the doubt into Poland's mind that I think can kill them from the inside. But we've got to get them to that point. Do you think that the experience Janusz has had, like you think as he as this becomes more and more team, he's less and less likely to make those kind of mistakes and, and, and set a better game even under pressure? It's not about his decision-making quite as much. I just think that the moment gets a little too big, and it, it kind of reminds me of Alexander Budko, the old Russian setter, like for Zenit Kazan and uh, for... I mean, he played for Russia for a couple of years there, where he just would kind of go on autopilot. He would not really think. He would just see the ball coming to him and just like fling it out somewhere, and that was kind of it. And there, that that puts ceilings on teams that, that Budko was on, and I think that that's kind of what we saw Janusz play and. Uh, the VNL semi match that we beat him so cleanly, and Micah Christensen thinks about the game and feels the game and flows the game and makes high degree of difficulty plays uh, in a way that Janusz right now can't. And so, if we put that pressure on him, it's not that he's going to lose Poland the game; it's that he's going to make Poland's offense predictable. He's going to make it in such a way that we can touch balls, we can transition balls, and we can run a couple points in a row, uh, break points, not from them giving us errors but from their offense being a little more one-dimensional and us being able to exploit that. Okay, I, I like that. Now, how much how much weight do you put into TJ DeFalco's last game against Turkey and him getting subbed off? Nothing. Okay. Uh, I, I, I think that, like, I actually think that that official's call that went against him in the third set that he, like, after the match was still pissed off about, I honestly think that had a decent amount to do with it. And I, I think he's had several days now to get over that. He's playing in Poland against Poland where he's played club uh, for the past two years. He's going to go play at Rosovia this year with a bunch of the national team guys. This is a huge, huge potential moment for TJ DeFalco. He can make or break his career uh, if he can put on a masterclass performance and beat Poland in this match. And I think he's up for that. I really do. Fair enough. I mean, he was, he's been one of the, the best players for USA in this match. And now let's remember, he was the star for USA, you know, at the, at the VNL as, as, as well. And I mean, as much as we, we, I mean, we got some people in the chat who's saying that uh, TJ should play on the opposite and Matt Anderson should play on the left side. I disagree. Uh, I disagree with that, but you will see that occasionally and not like the way that they line up and the way their, their true roles are out of system, but in certain serve reception rotations, you might see that, uh, especially when Anderson's backcourt. They'll slide him into pass. He'll hit pipe, 
and uh, TJ will slide over to the right side and hit D balls. You'll see that in a couple rotations. All right. Well, let's see if it works out for the USA. I mean, I think they're they're all needing to be firing at at full cylinders to be able to go toe to toe with a Polish team at home. I mean, that is. That's 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 a tall order, but if anyone is used to it, it's Team USA from all the years of going of going up toe to toe against Brazil. So, what's your pick? I'm going Poland in this one in five. I've I've got USA in five. Uh, I'm going to pick right. my boys, and we're, we're going to see what happens. So that match is uh, Wednesday. Uh, that's Thursday. Sorry, this coming Thursday, September eighth at three p.m. Eastern. In Poland, crowd's going to be ridiculous. Uh, that is an absolute must-watch. You must put that on your calendar, and you must watch that match. And uh, the other one to set the stage for it earlier that day is the all-South American battle, uh, the Olympic bronze medal match rematch of Brazil and Argentina. I mean, what an appetizer that is, huh? 11.30 a.m. on Thursday. 100%. I think it's going to be a great warm-up for what you you have already billed as what is going to be the best match of the tournament. Um, I think Brazil is looking lethal right now they are just vibing off of that cachopa offense and they're feeling themselves i mean they're just they're just going with going for it but argentina has this quiet confidence about them right and i think that they think they can play with with brazil i mean i'm certain that the checo thinks he can play with brazil i'm certain Fucundo conte thinks he can play with brazil probably bruno lima and guys like augustin lozero as well and this team is a team that has confidence right now um, and that's never something that, that you want to go up against. So, yeah, I mean, this is, as you mentioned, a rematch in so many different ways. Two teams that know each other so well. They play a very similar style of play. So I'm expecting some fireworks in this one. Maybe even some cards. I'd like to see some cards. Ooh, like, I would like to see some cards. Like, yeah. I, I, I want them yelling at the, through the net. Like, it depends. Maybe have they have, like, they have, like, the Japanese referee up there, so he won't necessarily understand the, the, them getting mad at each other in Spanish and Portuguese. Um, but, yeah, like, I... I, I want some fire in this one. Like, I, I want this to be this this to be a good one. I think you're gonna get it. I mean, I don't know if these two teams played in VNL or not. They might not have, but if they did, it, it wasn't significant. Uh, and the last time that they played significantly was the greatest match in Argentina volleyball history, uh, beating Brazil in five to win an Olympic medal. I mean, you can't get much better than that for a team that's kind of always felt like the little brother in the South American region. So that that sets up for fire right here, and. I mean, we talked about it when we talked about Argentina's win today. The pool play mess that they were in going to five with Egypt is totally behind them. And after how they played today, they should. And I bet that they do have all the confidence in the world, just like you said. But then again, this Brazilian team with Cachopa setting has a different feel about it, too, that I also don't want to run into. I This is a difficult one to pick, but I can't believe I'm going to say it. I think Argentina wins again. I think Argentina wins. I think Argentina, okay. after getting third in their pool, is going to go to the semifinals. All right. I mean, I'll leave you with that take, but I, I think I'm, I'm backing Brazil here. I mean, what? They've been to five straight World Championship finals, three golds in a row, and then have lost the past two to Poland. Uh, I think it's going to be hard to stop them, especially once, like, yeah, sure, they, they, the last time they played was in the finals of the, the South American Championships last fall. That doesn't really matter. It was a 3-1 Brazil, win, win to Brazil. It doesn't matter. They're going to remember. Right, Wallace is going to remember. Leal is going to remember. Everyone remembers that that loss for for Brazil uh, against Argentina, and and they're not going to forget. Imagine if, imagine if Rob Canada beat the U.S. in the bronze medal of of the the last Olympics. How mad you guys would be at at our team, and it wouldn't matter who was at, still on the other side. How much you just want to destroy us in a in a meaningful match. 
I think that's Brazil right now, looking at this Argentina team being like, they know they know they're in for a battle, but they know they're going to bring the hurt onto them. I admire your creativity for even inventing such a scenario in your brain that Canada might beat the U.S. for an Olympic medal. But I mean, what happened the World League 2017? Cool, World but yeah. League. So how, how, how's your Olympic hardware trophy case doing? Uh, and how you're doing in this tournament, for that matter. But anyway, I, <laughs> I, I, I agree with you. I, the, the, the significance of this match can't be overstated. I mean, this, the World Championship is a very big deal. When these two play in meaningful matches, it is a big deal. Uh, but for some reason, I think that this there's this, this weird magical energy around this Argentina team where they barely make it out of pools and then they go on some crazy miracle run. I mean, it was the same way in the Olympics. They they did they lost to five or they beat Tunisia in five at the Olympics. Do you remember that? Yeah, they dropped, I, they dropped I, I two do. sets to Tunisia, and again they dropped two sets in pools to an African team. Then they run all the way to a Olympic bronze medal. I I think that that's possible here, and I'm gonna pick it. I'm gonna pick it in four sets. I'm gonna pick Argentina three to one. No, I'm I'm picking the complete opposite. I'm picking Brazil three one. Okay. All right. I love it. So we're in agreement on the right side of the bracket, but we're totally the opposite on the left side. I think that's pretty fun. Yeah. We're friends on Wednesday and not, not friends on Thursday. That's, that, that's <laughs> not, how it goes. I'm not going to be friends with anybody on Thursday. I'm going to be stressed out watching this. US don't don't say that. Don't say that. Cause you know that there's certain people in the discord who are just like wringing their little hands, sitting in countries who aren't even at the tournament right now, thinking about insults. They're going to, they're going to fly at you as soon as the USA <laughs> starts losing on Thursday. Well, that's, that's the, that's the real point that you made is that those people uh, who are planning on doing that are, their teams are not in the tournament. No, you're 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 exactly you're exactly right. So hey, uh, but yes, you're, you're right. Thursday is going to be a, a very nice. And this is exactly what I said. It's kind of nice that Canada's not in the tournament anymore because I don't have any stressors. I could just wake up, watch the game, throw it on, have a good time. My girlfriend's watching with me. She's asking questions because she doesn't know anything about volleyball, but we're, but we're teaching her, you know. And there's just no stress. It's it's great. Uh, quite the opposite over here, but fortunately for you people, uh, regardless of the result of USA Poland, uh, we're going to jump right back on here for another 9 by 9 episode very shortly thereafter. So the next time you'll hear from us is this Thursday, two days from now. Uh, you want to do normal time, Everett, uh, 7.30 Eastern? Yeah, let's do 7.30 Eastern. Let's go for it. Perfect. So uh, two unbelievable days of extremely high-stakes matches uh, starting tomorrow, Italy, France, and Slovenia, Ukraine. And then Thursday, Argentina, Brazil, Poland, United States. Uh, this is it. This is when it's getting good. This is what the World Championship is all about. Uh, the stage has been set. We've had great matches. Uh, this is it. This is when the real like legacy-defining banger of matches are going to come up. And uh, we'll be back in two days to break them all down. Yep. Thanks a lot, guys, for watching. Remember, if you would consider becoming a member to the Volleyball Source YouTube channel. We would highly appreciate it. But if you don't, make sure to like this video and subscribe to Volleyball Source. And maybe go check out some of the merch over at thatvolleyball.store. Thanks a lot, guys. We will see you Thursday. Oh, and, yeah. so, and, and uh, join the Volleyball Source Discord if you haven't already. We'll see you in the Discord, and we'll see you back here on YouTube on Thursday. Thank you for watching. Peace.